The founding fathers of our nation had an interesting relationship with religion in general and Christianity in particular. For example, in his farewell address uh, as president of our, uh, at that time, very new nation, George Washington said, it is impossible to govern the world without God and the Bible. Now in our secular age, those words sound kind of shocking coming from the mouth of an American president. But on the other hand, um, Washington makes clear in the rest of that address and uh, the other founding fathers make clear in, 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 in some of their writings that the reason they say it's impossible to govern without religion or Christianity is because it's useful to the republic. It's good for the republic. It allows the re republic to flourish because religion fosters this moral citizenry. So they're praising the utility of religion. In other words, they are, uh, you could criticize them as saying they're reducing religion to morality. It was a relatively new philosophical concept at the end of the 18th century, but one that has only gained steam as time has gone on. You know, for example, it's not uncommon to hear someone say something like this today. You know, I was raised Catholic. I don't really practice anymore. I don't really believe all that supernatural stuff or the dogma, but I still appreciate and try to follow the moral teachings of Christ. You know, I try to love my neighbor, observe the golden rule. Such a view is common, but I would dare say it's supremely problematic. Why? Because to reduce religion to morality is to lose both. Authentic morality is inseparable from God, from the worship of God, from knowing the truths that he has revealed. Take God out of the picture, and morality will eventually fade away. It's kind of like a vase where you, put, you cut some flowers and you put them in the vase. They will look nice, they will stay fresh for a week or two, and then they'll begin to wither. So too is it with morality without God, it will inevitably fade away. Moreover, reducing religion to morality, it robs us of the greatest treasures of our faith. You know, take our gospel today, for example. A person thoroughly imbued with this tendency to reduce religion to morality might look at our gospel and say, well, the main point, the main point Jesus is getting at is that true greatness, true leadership uh, requires service or a servant mindset um, that, that to serve, that we need to serve those we lead. And I'm not going to say that's wrong, but it's a, it, it, it misses uh, the great depth of what our Lord is trying to communicate. It misses all of the depth, I should say, that our Lord is trying to communicate. And I would even say this, that our Lord's connection of service to greatness only makes sense in light of the supernatural mystery of the cross. Now, that is a nuance that is kind of lost on us in this gospel uh, because the verses immediately preceding this gospel include Christ's third prediction of his passion in the gospel of Mark and his most explicit one yet at this point in the gospel. He's making it very clear that when he says the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, that he was referring to the cross. 
So let's talk about this supernatural mystery of the cross, because it's all over our readings today. In our first reading, we have the prophet Isaiah saying, the Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. There's a better, or there's a, another translation I like better. The Lord willed, it was the Lord's will to crush him with infirmity. You know, the Father willed the passion of the Son. But then our first reading continues and speaks about this suffering servant giving his life as an offering for sin. So the Lord wills to uh, the Son to go to the cross, but the Son chooses it of his own free will. And this makes it a sacrificial offering for sin. It makes it a, a priestly act, right? Christ is the great high priest, as we hear in that second reading. Priests in the Old Testament would offer a sacrifice, an atonement for sins. That's what Christ does on the cross. Only he offers something that God the Father loves infinitely more than sin displeases him. His only begotten son. And so the cross super abundantly atones for our sins. And it wins the grace that makes us his adopted sons and daughters. But it's not just some event we appreciate from afar. What Jesus is saying in his teaching to his apostles today is this. If you want to follow me into my kingdom... If you want to share in my glory, then you too have to follow me to Calvary, to the cross. And he says that not just to the apostles, but of all generations who've followed him or wanted to follow him. And he says it to us now, that if we want to share in the glory of his kingdom, we must follow him to the cross. Where is our cross today? Well, we all have things that we did not choose. We we do not like, we cannot change. That's the cross. And we can grow bitter about it. We can grow angry, cynical. We can despair and give up. Or we can see it as something God has permitted, as a, as a chance to share in Christ's cross. And we can offer it up. We can unite it to Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And when we do that, then the very worst moments of our lives become, they become this occasion for us drawing near to God. And they become, a, our suffering can become a prayer of sorts, a powerful one for others. No, treating the gospel merely as an admonition for us to serve one another, it does it an injustice. I mean, what does our culture see as the, the greatest burden in the world today but suffering and death? You know, suffering and death are, are things that we can't all escape. None of us will escape. And so, this shows us how to deal with it. To see it through the lenses of the supernatural mystery of the cross. To see it as an opportunity God has given us to participate in our own redemption. And to, and to pray for others to, to come to know the salvation of Christ as well. Let us fight this modern tendency to reduce religion to a simplistic morality and instead embrace the full depth of our Catholic faith. And let us follow Christ to the cross so that we can share in the victory of his resurrection.